0: Um, man, I'm really excited for, uh, sharing this message with you guys today. Uh, this is, this is really different from what I've been preaching this semester so so far. Uh, I don't know if if you noticed, but I've been trying to really hit on, uh, really spiritual, um, practices that, that Christians need to engage in worship, trying to really teach us how to have Spirit-filled Pentecostal worship, evangelism, how to share our faith, really hitting these types of topics. But today's going to be different, so I'm going to talk about something that is different than what I've shared on, but I'm super excited because this is kind of a life message for me. This is something that I have tried to uh, live, not just preach. You guys have heard it said, you know, practice what you preach. Uh, I've tried to practice this. I'm not just preaching it today. Um, anyway, um, who wants to have a successful life? Who wants to have a really terribly poor life? I didn't hook up because I don't want to see anybody that just took a second from option. option. Uh, so what I'm going to talk about today is really um, what I believe is a chief cornerstone, a foundation stone, if you will, to success in life, um, and I know most of you here want to be successful—successful successful for Christ and the kingdom, successful in your family, successful in your parenting, successful in your business, successful in your job, in your schoolwork, in your homework—all of these things. And if that's you, you know you can you can go after that. You can set all your goals. Um, You can make priorities. I'm sure some of you in here are like the list makers. You can make that list, one, two, three things you need to do to hit your goals. You can do all of that. It's very important. But if you lack what I'm speaking on today, all of that will ultimately prove to be futile. As I look at people in my life, as I look at church history, as I look at the Word of God, I see that what I'm talking about today was abundant in the lives of every successful man and woman of God. It was in every single one of their lives. And um, it's successful for, it's, it is in their life for successful schools, businesses, churches, and families. And um, what is this chief cornerstone? Well, you guys got a sneak peek. I was going to tell the PowerPoint people not to put it up until I got to this point and then give the grand uh, unveiling, but you already saw But I didn't tell them to do that. It's not your fault. It was my fault. But what I'm talking about today is attitude. Specifically, how to um, cultivate and maintain a positive and faith-filled attitude, no matter what life throws at you. And you see, this is crucial because your inner world and your mind creates your outer world. Another way I like to say it is your inner kingdom determines your outer kingdom. Um, those who have a positive, cheerful attitude, they will find that people treat them cheerfully and positively. Their outward environment, and even the people around them, respond to their inward kingdom. Those who have a negative and critical or destructive attitude, will soon find that people in their environment will treat them with that same negativity and critical and destructive behavior. When somebody sees me, when I come up to people, do they walk away feeling better about themselves? That's important for me to think about. When I talk with, if I have a conversation with Tessa or Derek, do they come away feeling encouraged in the faith? Do they come away smiling? Do they come away feeling good? Or do they leave down and negative and feeling critical? And um, you have gotta understand that your current, and and this is gonna seem a little harsh, and so I'm I'm not like, I'm sharing this out of love today, and I'm not sharing it because I think anyone in particular needs this message, you know, besides Caleb. But um, other than that, um, this is really just a general topic, and it's not Caleb. He actually has a very fantastic attitude, and especially, we've had some difficult life circumstances and you've chosen to have a positive attitude and respond well, and uh, push you on the spot. Wasn't planning on that, but it's true. You let know him would say that's true. Um, now, but, but I do wanna share this, as harsh as it might seem, it's not, it's out of love. Your current life situation, where you find yourself, is the perfect effect of the actions you've taken in the past. The actions that you've taken have led you to be in this place you are in life. And I don't mean literally in this room, though that's a part of it. But where your life is, what your life is like, is the result of the actions you've taken. And now let me go a little deeper here. The actions you took in the past are the perfect effect of the thoughts that precede them. So your thoughts create your action. And your action creates your destiny. And the Bible talks about this, sowing and reaping. Some people call it uh, cause and effect. And this is very difficult for people to receive, and especially today because we live in a world that that um, has cultivated and, in some ways, has fostered a victim mentality. Right? You're a victim. I'm a victim. And my life—I almost said a word. I can't say in church. It can be tough I just stop myself. <laughs> Actually, it was the Holy Spirit, if I stop me. What I wanted to say, I won't say. But what I want to say is this, and I'll say it a little differently. Um, your life um, it is not ultimately the result of people that have sinned against you and hurt you. It's the result of the choices you've made and how you've responded. And so this has everything to do with attitude. You see, poor attitudes are responsible for the destruction of marriages, Careers, churches, dating relationships, you name it. Poor attitudes bring destruction. On the other hand, I'm sure you know some people that always seem to have a fantastic attitude. When I say that, can you think of somebody in your life that just is faith-filled? They walk in faith, supernatural. They are positive. It's not that their life is... Uh, void of challenge and, and difficult circumstances, but they have a great attitude. When I think of somebody like that, I think of a former H2O member who is no longer here, but we love him so much. He's from Africa. And I bet you all know what I'm talking about. Well, that, that made it a little easier. And it's not Neo. But, it's it's not the hand, brother, we love you. We love you. But Andrew Bianca is, he just exemplifies this. It's not like his life is easy. It's not that he's never had circumstances. He's had uh, failures. He started companies that didn't go where he wanted them to go. All of that. But he has such a fantastic attitude, doesn't he? Faith, positivity. And these people that have a positive attitude, they seem to soar from one success to another. Um, it's really simple, if I wanted to break it down. This is... If you're going to remember anything from today, okay, remember this. You ready? This is it. You can put it up. Great attitude, great life. Poor attitude, poor life. Most of you are starting out. You're young. You're 18, you're 20, you're 22. Um, man, if you can learn this now, you're going to save yourself for a whole bunch of trouble. You want to have a great life? Have a great attitude. You want to have a terrible life? Easy, get a bad attitude. It works at the time. So this morning we're going to look at the Word of God and we're going to open up the scriptures together. And I want to look at a man that had incredible faith and a positive attitude in the face of the most unlikely circumstances. And this man I'm talking about is none other than the Apostle Paul. So we're going to look at Acts 27. Uh, It's a huge story here. I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but I'm going to read a little bit of it. Um, If you guys want to open up in the book of Acts 27. Now, what I love about this story is we're going to look at a situation that the Apostle Paul found himself in when he was on his way to Rome at the end of his life. He was on a literal ship on the Mediterranean in a terrible storm. Some of you know the the circumstances and it almost cost everybody on that ship their life. It was a terrible, like hurricane-type storm that happened. And not all of you will be on a boat in a terrible hurricane. I hope you never will. But all of you here will find yourself in storms in life, okay? So this is a literal storm that he faced, but all of us face storms of adversity, don't we? Storms of adversity come to us. And so I want to look at how Paul responded in the midst of the storm. Let me give you just a little background and then we're gonna jump into verse 33. But the whole chapter is about it, so you're gonna get the Pastor Nino condensed abridged version. So Paul is on his way to preach the gospel to Rome. He's on a ship with a bunch of prisoners that are being brought to Rome for trial. He's going to Rome for trial, not for doing bad, but for doing good because he's preaching the gospel. And they want to silence him, and he's going there, and he believes that it's it's God's will that he would preach in Rome, and then the end would come for him on earth, and he'd go back to be with Jesus. They are facing a terrible storm, as I said, and uh, this storm has been going on for 14 days, if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, oh, exactly, it says that in verse 33, so 14 days, and the attitude on that ship is toxic. That's the new word people like to say, right? Mm -hmm. So it's toxic. It's bad. It's cruddy. Pick the adjective. It is just you can feel the negativity in the air. Everybody is pronouncing their own doom. We're going to die. We're all going to die. They're literally using these phrases. It's over for us. We haven't seen the sun for two weeks. We're dead. Now let's look at how bad it was and what Paul does in the midst of this storm, verse 33. The Bible says here, as the day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. There, Verse 34, therefore I urge you, take some food. Pause there. Hey, listen. This ship is filled with men. It's all men on it? it. Makes sense. Men tend to get in trouble more than women hello, somebody. It's all the prisoners on that. They have not eaten for 14 days. Now, it's not that they lacked food, it's they lacked appetite. Why did they lack appetite? Because they were going to die. They were in a a terribly dark place mentally. How dark was it? Do you know any men that don't like to eat? Okay, this shows me how bad it is. 14 days and they don't want to eat? I'm like, I think about food in the morning first thing. Anybody with me? Nope, all right, all right, just all right, finally. Okay, men eat, we eat, we like to eat, it's important. There's only a few things we like more than food. Um, And so food is, is, is crucial, and these men have not eaten food. That shows how dark their mind was. It's such a terrible place. And so Paul stands up in the midst of it, and instead of getting caught up in the negativity, he says, eat some food, guys. You're going to feel good. And then listen to what he says. Let's go on in the passage. 34, part B. He says, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. So he is now prophesying faith and positivity. In the midst of a storm, all these men think they're dying. And he says, listen. Listen. You're going to live. Not one of you will die. He speaks from a prophetic word that he had received from the Lord that we didn't look at earlier in the passage. Look at verse 35. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and he began to eat. Verse 36. Then they all were encouraged and they ate food together. Now let's jump to verse 44, just real quickly. In the second half of verse 44, and so it was that they were all brought safely to land. Okay, we'll stop there and I'll talk more about this passage in a second, but first thing I wanna do is prepare and contrast to you the perspective and the attitude of the men versus Paul. As I said, these men were in a very dark place, a terrible attitude, and they couldn't get their eyes off the waves, and the wind, and the darkness, and the gloom. And Paul, he couldn't get his eyes off of God. His eyes were on Jesus. And while they saw doom and destruction, he saw Christ. And the other thing that I notice in this passage is that really strikes me, verse 35, after he convinced those men to get food, did you notice what Paul did? He took the food and he gave thanks to God. If you don't pay attention to this, you're going to miss this. This is a very incredibly powerful principle when it comes to attitude. Paul had what I call an attitude of gratitude. And this, this is the one thing I've found in every truly faithful and positive person in my life. And I've seen a lot of them. They're all grateful. They're thankful to God. Some have a lot of money, some have a little. Some have had more adversity than others, some have had a a little adversity, some have had a lot. But they all have an attitude of gratitude. And this is a a difference maker. This is one thing that will impact your attitude more than just about anything else. Um, And this is a principle that I wanna talk about, principle of the camera or the lens. Let's put that up here. Now, um, as we look at the next slide, uh, this, this might be difficult for you guys to understand because you're younger than me. So let me just explain what I mean by this. So, I, you know, your mind is like a camera. It will develop what you focus on. Now, of course, we don't develop pictures anymore, but when I was a kid, back in the Stone Ages, uh, we had this thing called, like, a camera. Yeah. <laughs> and my family would take a picture, and we had something called film. And, and you never knew what you were taking. I had no idea. I didn't know what it was. I uh, just, I hope it was a good shot. And then you would take it in, and there was a process to develop the film. And, and I, I'm not an expert in film, but it's something to do with like kind of liquid chemical solution. They put in the film, and all of a sudden the image would begin to come to the surface, and you'd see it. It would develop. We call it developing the image, right? So my mom would say, hey, I'm going to, you know, the grocery store, I'm going to buy some groceries, and I'm going to go have my film developed. I'm going to bring it in, right? You guys with me? Now you just have your phone. So now this is important because I want you to understand that your mind is very similar to this process. It will develop whatever you choose to focus on. You, if you focus on problems, your mind will develop that. If you focus on gratefulness to God and what he has done for you and the blessings in your life, It will develop that and that will become your life. It will become your thoughts, which will become your actions, which will become your destiny. And so um, you will develop whatever you focus on. And there are tremendously powerful benefits for positive attitude. So I wanna go through them with you right now. I made a little list. I'm not always a list preacher, but we're gonna do a little list Can we do that. All right, let's get into the list. Benefits of a positive attitude. Number one, a positive attitude is contagious. A attitude spreads, and positive attitude spreads it will encourage the team. Now, the opposite is also true. A negative attitude spreads, doesn't it? Spreads like cancer. Makes me think of a story from uh, Coach K. Uh, so, Duke has one of the greatest college basketball programs of all time. I mean, 30 years, these guys have been amazing, and it has a lot to do with their coach, Coach K. And he wrote a book on leadership, and I read that book dec- like two decades ago, but I still remember one of the stories he told in that. Coach K, um, in this leadership book, told a story about one of the young men that they had recruited to play on his team, and this guy was phenomenally talented. The best athlete on the team, by far. But the problem was he had a really negative attitude. And when things weren't going his way or things weren't going well with the team, he'd kind of get a negative attitude. And that would, remember, your mind affects your actions and people could see it in his facial expressions, his body language. And then it would drag the whole team down. So Coach K talked to his staff and he said, what we're gonna do is during practice, I think it might've been games in practice. I can't remember exactly if it was just in practice or not, but I know this part of the story. He had people secretly videotape this guy. So they just practice after practice, game after game, they videotaped him, then they cut it, they spliced it, they edited it, and they put it together. Every time he got a really negative attitude, the way it shifted his body language and his facial expression. And so then Coach K had a team meeting. And he had a team and he gathered all the guys together on the team, and he said, um, and he addressed this young man, I don't recall the man's name, and he basically said, you know, listen, uh, I wanted to talk with you and have a whole team here. You're a great athlete. You're the leader of this team, but you have a really bad attitude. And I want to show you this. And they showed him the film. The whole team watched it. They watched all his negative interactions and how it brought the team down. And uh, Coach K just brought correction and said, man, we want you on this team. You're a great guy, but if you can't change this attitude, you can't be on the team. It's us down." And the amazing thing is this young man changed his attitude. He changed his behavior, and they went on to go very far. I think they might have went all the way to what they call the big dance. And uh, I don't know if they won a national championship or not, but this guy went on to have a fantastic career. Attitude is contagious, and a positive attitude is contagious. Number two, blessing follows thanksgiving. You see, I talked about this earlier, right? The attitude of gratitude it puts you in a position to receive. When you are grateful to God, when you thank him, it just puts you in a position to receive more and more blessings. I can tell you this as a parent, and uh, some of you are parents here and most of you are not, but, um, but you guys are giving gifts to your friends too. So let's talk about that. If you give a gift to somebody and you try to be thoughtful and you thought, oh, she's gonna really love this, and you give her a gift, and she receives it with negativity and kind of, uh, it's not really what I wanted. Oh, man, I don't know if it's going to look good or not wear it or whatever. Does that make you want to give her more gifts? Does that make you go, I just want to shower her with gifts? It makes you think, well, then forget it, man, you never made a gift from me again. Now, what if she goes, thank you for thinking of me. That was so kind of you, you know what I mean? Like, that was really, really sweet. I appreciate that. That makes you go, and I'm going to give you another one. You know, you want to throw more blessing on the person because they're grateful, right? And yes, God is not a man. He doesn't think like me. At all. For sure, his thoughts are higher than mine. But I'm sure that my ungratefulness has tipped him off the times. Right? You think God, God gives you blessings and then you're ungrateful? You think he's going to look at you and go, Hey, angels, pour on some more blessing on this one. He's an ungrateful, critical sucker. Just throw the blessings on him. You think that's going to be, you know, that's the principle? You know, the principle is, look at this servant of mine. This young man has had a hard time. This young man has gone through some bad things, but he's chosen to focus on what is good. Give him more, because he'll be faithful with what we've given him already. Blessing follows Thanksgiving Now, uh, and again, if you go back to our passage If you notice The ship was certainly going to to Crash and kill everybody but God And in the midst of it Paul gave thanks And the ship arrived safely Thankfulness to God, blessing, power Number three uh, A positive attitude Leads to favor, promotion, and success Let's put it this way Did I put it up there? I didn't. Well, you can remember this already now. Your attitude will determine your altitude in family, in church, in business, in athletics, in anything you're doing to try to get success. Your attitude develops your altitude, how far you go and how much you soar. And people really miss this. And I'm excited to share this with you guys as young people. Because you're just starting out, so this is a lesson you can put into practice. I remember when John, you got your first job, like real job, whatever. I mean, you were landscaping guru, but when you were like working at Target, I just remember Johnny and I had a conversation about like some of the employees that kind of grumble at times and you know just kind of negative or whatever. But every once in a while at Target, and so he was just kind of observing the behavior of employees. This was his first experience. You know, out in that world, and you guys probably never seen any other employees that complain about bosses and things, right? Never. So, you know, they complain about this or that or the boss or whatever. But every once in a while, they have, like, the big boss would come in, you know? And I remember you told me, like, sometimes there'd be, like, an area manager or whatever, and they, you know, would kind of probably wear a seat coat or something and look a little different, right? And, and I remember this as a young man, too, seeing that when I worked at McDonald's. Yes, I was at McDonald's. And the big bosses would come in, and they always seem to be happy. You know, now they kind of walk in, they stroll in Target, usually pumpkin spice latte, <laughs> smiling, and all these. You know, the, you know the employees are probably like, "Yes, yeah, because you make two hundred thousand a year, that's why you're happy." <laughs> I'm down here stocking shelves. You know, you are paying me fifteen dollars an hour. I can do a job better than you. You're just lucky. You know somebody. I mean, you would never think that way. But I'm just telling you, there are people out there that think this. You come in, you're smiling, but you're happy. Okay, here's here's the principle they fail to understand. Those people do not have a good attitude because they have a high position. They have a high position because they have a good attitude. Well, I need to say that again. You need to understand this. They don't. They're not happy because they're in a high position. They're in a high position because they have a good attitude. If I'm gonna go, okay, I retire, it's 20 years down the road, and for some reason I want to start a business. We're gonna start a business, I'm gonna hire my first employees. Here's the first board meeting. Hey, team. I don't have a team yet, I got one person. Okay. Danny, you and me. Let's hire our first team. Go find the most nasty, cynical, critical people you can find. Let's hire them. Is that what I would do? I mean, think about it. When I interview somebody and they're critical, do you think I would hire them? Right. If I hire them and I start working with them and they're critical and nasty, do you think I'm gonna promote them? Again, I know this is basic, but I want you to understand. We're not a victim of our circumstance. We are exactly where we should be based on our choices and our attitude. And so attitude develops your altitude. You want to do great things for God. You want to make a difference in the church in schoolwork at the University of Michigan, attitude. And finally, and I've already talked about this, so I'm gonna just go over this really quickly. A good attitude creates a positive environment in your life. Inner kingdom determines outer kingdom, and I think we know that. Now, I don't think there's anybody here that wants to have a nasty, cynical attitude, but p- perhaps uh, if we're recording this, we're gonna release a podcast And there's somebody in the world that wants to be really negative and critical. So I want to help them. So I put together a list of how to develop a nasty, cynical attitude, and it works every time. Okay, let's put it up there. Here we go. This is how to develop a nasty, cynical attitude. Surefire way. Number one, violate one of the Ten Commandments and covet everybody around you. Whoa, just covet them. Covet their money, covet their cars, covet their girlfriend, covet covet their boyfriend, covet their apartment. I mean, just covet everything. Now, if you don't know what covet means, it is basically a term that means desiring what somebody else has that you don't, not being happy for them, but thinking you deserve it and they don't. I should have it, they shouldn't, I want it. Right? Their wife, their car, their house. Right? Covenant. Okay? So if you if you see something, and I'm telling you, it works great. Like uh, you want to have a lot of money, you know somebody in your life that's very successful businessman, businesswoman, <clears throat> don't ever ask them how they did it. Because they probably take you to coffee, set you down, and go, wow, no one's ever asked me. I'm excited to teach you this and help you do it. So don't ask them because they'll help. Just assume they're lucky, they inherited it, you could do better than them, it's a joke, and just covet them. You got it? Don't ask them how to do it because they'll tell you. Yes, hallelujah. Somebody's <laughs> excited about this. Come on somebody. Touch. All right. Just call them greedy too, by the way. they really good. Just go socialize them. You're greedy and they, they just ruined everybody else. It's perfect. Number two. And this works well. Make a list of all the things you deserve, but you don't have. I deserve a great boyfriend. I deserve a great girlfriend. I'm better looking than her. I deserve a better car. My car is a junker. I deserve a better house. All these things. I deserve more money. All, I deserve better parents. You know, all of these things. Just make a list. I mean, and just write it down, actually, on the phone. It will really <laughs> serve to cultivate negativity. It's amazing. Now most people won't go to that step, right? They won't write it down, but they make a list. They have a list in their mind of all the things they're supposed to have, but they don't. Number three, um, I think for the United States of America in 2022, this is probably the surefire and primary way that people get a negative play the victim role. Just play the victim. I mean. Blame everybody else for your lack of success. Blame your parents, blame your friends, blame the country, blame the economic system, blame the university, blame your brother, blame your sister, blame everyone. Blame, blame, blame the boomers. <laughs> just say, <laughs> okay, your, your, your house is <laughs> cheap, mine's expensive, you know, thanks a lot, blame everyone, just blame them all. And it works perfectly. Um, now, but, you know, and the sad thing, you know, it's, I obviously am trying to do this in a humorous way to make my point, but the sad thing is I've seen people do this. I'm 52 years old. I've seen people that are my age or older, and they still play the victim. And if you do this, what will happen is you will begin to, like, you'll, you'll take this wound that somebody inflicted upon you. So I'm not saying that bad things haven't happened to you. Storms happen, okay? Bad things happen to people. But if you're not grateful, you'll take this wound and you'll begin to just guard it and you'll you'll wallow in it like Gollum with the ring. You will go farther and farther into the darkness of that dank mountain. And you will shut everybody out. you shut out all the world, all the light of truth, and you will just cultivate that wound until you die. You collapse in on yourself, and it's everybody else's fault. Everybody. And that's a terrible place to be, and I know people like that. It's a sad place. They're bitter, they're angry, and it's everybody else's fault, and you can't even talk to them and try to ha- bring them outside of it because they, they won't listen. I don't want to hear it. It's my dad, it's my mom. Now, let's actually close on a positive note. Since this is about positive attitude, can we do that? So how about we just forget about that because no one wants to have a nasty attitude. You guys want to have a positive, faith-filled attitude, walk in faith. How can you do it? Well, I made a list for you. Number one, share your testimony. Share what God has done for you. Um, Next weekend, uh, next Sunday, I will be um, doing a missions Convention for a church in Traverse City, go Northern Michigan. All right, too far from where Autumn was raised, but a little bit—about an hour or so, hour and a half from Traverse City. Forty-five. All right, we'll be up in the forest, the Great Forest of the Northwest, and uh, I'm going to speak at their missions convention. And um, as I open up their missions convention, I'm going to share my testimony. I am super excited about that. I'm going to share about how. I was raised in Kalamazoo, and how I didn't know God, but God brought some people in my life that were really special, and how they brought me to Jesus Christ. And I am so excited. And I'm telling you, we all have different stories. You all have different testimonies. Some of you were raised in the church. What a testimony. Some of you had great parents. What a testimony. Some of you didn't have great parents, but God showed his mercy anyway. Some of you weren't raised in the church, and you got saved. We all have our story, and share it. Share it over and over and over again. There's nothing like it. And if you look in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul that we're talking about today, he shared his testimony repeatedly. When he stood before kings and emperors and the lowliest peasant, he would would recount how Jesus Christ revealed himself to this man named Saul of Tarsus and changed his life. He shared his testimony. Number two, make a list of God's blessings. And this is a list you should write down. Don't let write down your, your cynical negative list. I was joking by that. But this one, you get out your phone, and you just write down. And you know, and let me say this, it could be hard to do this, especially if you find yourself in a really dark place. Because we can, the enemy can bring us into very dark places, do you know what I'm saying? Like he can bring us where our mind is in a dark place, and though the people on the outside look at you and see all the blessings it can be a time where you can't see even one as if there's nothing good happening in your life and i know that is heavy to say but it's true so this might be difficult but you can start with like basic things such as number one i'm breathing that's good right Man, we take that for granted? That's a blessing, isn't it? I remember a few years ago, I had this bronchitis. It was crazy, man. It was like pre-COVID, so like I I never went to the doctors back in those days, you remember those days? So like I had this bad sickness, I went to the doctor, but I'd wake up in the middle of the night, every night about one, two, I couldn't breathe. I mean, literally, I felt like there was a demon out my chest choking me, I'd I'd go into the bathroom and for 10 seconds I thought, this is it, I'm dead. I mean, I remember, and if you've ever had this, and I hope you haven't. It's scary. I'm just like, good breathing. This is it. I go in, and then I'd be like, oh, I start coughing. up the, and Tammy's in the bed. She's hearing me, and I remember finally, she's like, "You, you really should probably go to the doctors. You know, like, you've been doing this for four nights straight." I'm like, "Yeah, I Probably should. You know." So anyway, I went to the doctors, and they gave me some medicine. And it was good. But the reason I'm bringing this up is in that, those five seconds, it really flashed before my eyes. like, if I don't start breathing, I'm done. Like You don't realize how frail you are. We think we're so big, everything's great. If you can't breathe, you don't live. And I experienced it, tough one. Uh, So when you're in this dark place and you can't think of any blessings, right now, I'm breathing. And then the next thing, number two, I feel okay. That's good. Number two. Number three. I have one friend. That's good. Number four. Jesus loves me. That's really good. And you just go on and on. And if you go down this list, what I found in my life is I write down things I'm thankful for. It has a a really... reinforcement, like the more I write, the more I begin to think. Does anybody understand what I mean? And then when I felt like I'm in this dark place and there's nothing good in my life, or you know what, there's 10 things that I'm thankful for. You're like, wow, actually it's not as bad as I thought. Thank you, Lord. So make a list of God's blessings. And then finally, this is amazing. Write down scriptural promise. You guys, there's so much power in God's word. And when you're facing adversity and storms in your life, memorize the Word of God, write down the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God, and the Word of God will bring you out of that place of darkness. It will bring you out, it will destroy the lies of Satan. Um, Psalm 128 is so important to my family, and I'll tell you a story of why it's so important, how scripture memory really met Tammy and I when we were in an incredible dark. Tammy and I were newly married and uh, live in a Sparrowwood apartment. We were like 24 at the time, I think, or something like that. And Tammy became pregnant. And we were so excited. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, it just, we were, you know, you're, all your life, you're like, what will my kids look like? You know, is this going to be a boy? Is it going to be a girl? And we were just so excited. And um, started telling everybody. Obviously, now when I'm excited about things, I tell everybody about it. And uh, so I was telling everybody, Tammy's pregnant, and Tammy's like, yeah, I'm pregnant, it's awesome. And um, we went to the doctors are around 10 weeks to hear the heartbeat. And that's always such a special moment, because you know, you, you go in and you hear the and so sometimes the fat, you know, the little baby's heartbeat. So, and back in the day, I mean, this was, you know, in the early 90s, we didn't have any fancy stuff. It was just like, you know, in the ears or listen and listen. And the doctor couldn't hear the heartbeat. And I remember the doctor said, you know, we're very early. Tammy, Dr. Menon, um, we'll have you come back in a few weeks, and we'll test again, okay? Okay, no problem. We walked out. Awesome. We're having a baby. And uh, we went back at, um, I think she was 16 weeks pregnant. And we went in and we puts in the earphones on the, on the, on the uh, uterus here, and, and we don't hear anything. There's no noise. And I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm like 24 years old, brand new, you know, to marriage and everything. I'm like, okay, uh, why is this? And the doctor started to look a little concerned, and I could see that in her eyes, and that concerned me. She said, well, let's just do an ultrasound real quick. I'm going to do an ultrasound. And uh, they did an emergency ultrasound. And then as she did the ultrasound, she projected the image on the screen, and I'll never forget, she told Tammy and I, so this is... Um, This is your uterus. This is the amniotic sac. This is where the baby's supposed to be And I remember thinking supposed to be what what does this mean? She said I'm sorry to tell you but the baby stopped developing somewhere along one week I don't know five days two weeks. I can't see the baby. Tammy, you're gonna have a miscarriage. And um, And in that moment, I I was just kind of stunned. I remember just standing there and then Tammy started to just sob, was crying in the car. And I didn't know what to do. It. And so then, and the doctor was right. Tammy had a miscarriage, this was her first pregnancy. And I'm telling you, that put me in a really bad place. Mentally. My head space was not good. You know, if anybody's been in a place like that, it was not good. And I started getting all these thoughts. And, and you guys that know me would probably think, yeah, Pastor Nino's a very positive person, right? Very positive faith, though, that was a very difficult and the thoughts would come in my mind: "You're never going to be able to have babies. Tammy's can't carry a child anymore." And the devil just began to um, just put lies into my mind, lies into my soul, it was poison, poisonous lies. And of course, you guys know the devil is the father of lies. And there was just lie upon lie, and I was struggling. Man, it was not a good time. I didn't know what to do, but I knew God. And I knew the word of God is true. So I began to meditate on Psalm 128. Oh man, that's great. We gotta look at that, don't we? You guys wanna look at Psalm 128? This is so good. Okay. And I, not only did I meditate on it, but I actually got out a piece of paper and I wrote it down. something really powerful, you guys, about writing down the scriptures. So, um, Psalm 128, right there. and the Lord will give you guys your own promises too throughout your lives. This, this is it. This is a family verse for the Griswold family. Psalm 128 says, "Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor, the labor of your hands, and you will be blessed, and it will be well with you." Now, let me stop there. I didn't feel blessed. I felt in a very dark place. The word of God was saying, because I fear the Lord and I do fear him, I will be blessed. And then verse three, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus will the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Now, if you ever had looked at an olive tree, it was really amazing, olive trees. In Italy, they have olive trees that can be hundreds and hundreds of years old. And it, you have a trunk that's, that's big like this, and around the base of the trunk will shoot out little green sprouts. Those are shoots, olive shoots. And the word of God was telling me that if you will fear me, if you will trust me and revere me, your wife will be like a fruitful vine, And your children will be like olive shoots around the table. And so I would read that every single day of my life. And when the darkness came and the devil came and lied to me, i said, no, devil, you're a liar. The Bible says this. And I would speak it. I would believe it. I would proclaim it. And it became so precious to me. It's one of my uh, life passages. It's amazing. So Psalm 128. Why do I share that with you guys? Because... There is nothing that is more powerful at breaking you free from the grip of darkness and despondency than the Word of God and proclaiming His promises. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I mean by that? When you're battling that, write that down. Um, I remember I put it right in our bedroom on the wall. I mean, it was it looked probably just like. I don't know, janky. It was like my handwriting was terrible. It was a little piece of paper. I ripped it, and I taped it to the wall, and it didn't matter how bad it looked. Now, Tammy's would have been all beautiful. Like, the eyes would have been dotted with hearts. So the teeth would have been perfect. It been color-coordinated. It would have been nice. You know what I mean? I needed a little feminine touch on that. But mine was just chicken scratch, but it didn't matter because, I, because it was true. And I put that right on the wall, and I saw it every day, and I proclaimed it. And, uh... We found out about a year later that Tammy was with child; she was pregnant with little Emma. And uh, at this very moment, Emma is married and has a little baby girl, and that baby girl is at our house, which is why Tammy's not here. And we are—we had the whole weekend with Amelia, which is amazing. And so it is from to pass. Not only did God give us Emma, but now we have Emma's daughter Amelia. God's word is true, isn't to it? Uh, that will break the stronghold of any darkness the enemy tries to bring. So let me close with this, and then we're going to have actually did the worship band come up. I think we should kind of close this with a song, but I, I do want to say a couple more things as they're coming. There's a, uh, okay. Anybody here? Is, is anybody competitive? Ooh, Arvin? I need Tess was going to raise your hand. I just knew it. Anybody? <laughs> Yeah, right. I know, I know, I don't even talk about my sons. Way <laughs> more competitive than me. I'm not typically that competitive of a person, but for competitive people, here's a, um, a quote by a guy named John Maxwell. He's a pastor. And, and, and he made this observation about competition, and I, I find this to be true. Two people stand side by side. If everything else is equal... The one with the best attitude will win every time, and attitude is a choice. So theoretically, if you could have two guys that were going to wrestle, and theoretically they were completely equal, which I know is not possible, the one that would have the edge is the one with the best attitude, and the key to this is that attitude is a choice. And so will you choose today a good attitude? Will you choose to stop playing the victim? If you have in the past and say, I choose today, no more victim for me. Um, Will you choose to fill your mind with the word of God, instead of, you know, wallowing in the darkness, fill your mind with God's word. Will you choose to be grateful to what God has given you, right? Instead of focusing on what you don't have, choose to focus on what you do have. And when you will make that choice, your attitude will change and your outer kingdom will change and your whole life will change. It's, a, it's a, so So, well, we want to pray. And uh, we want to worship God in closing. So can we stand together? Let's let me pray for them worship Yeah. Let's just lay it down. Can we just take a moment here? Decision time, Lord. We want to repent.